What would happen if you didn't follow the established path? If you did the unexpected? Would you feel scared? Proud? Relieved? Could you explain that helping the people of Peru improve their own community would also have an effect on your own? Or assisting an entrepreneur in Ukraine to launch her small business? Or creating a support group in Malawi for children orphaned by AIDS? What if you established your own path? One that others might follow? Would you rather make your own way? Or spend your life saying, what if? Life is calling. How far will you go? Peace Corps. To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580. Or go to peacecorps.gov.
the same dream, all right, and it was the year 2016. But that's over now, and it's time to wake up into the reality of a new year, 2017. And based on the weather here in Ann Arbor today, which is pretty uh, dreary, uh, keep your spirits kindled. And that's not a reference to a digital reading device. Uh, I still favor the good old-fashioned paper book, a couple of which I'll make some recommendations on here in just a moment. Uh, but uh, welcome to Gray Matters in any event. My name is Jim Dwyer, and I'll be doing the program uh, solo tonight as Dick Whaley enjoys a good family vacation and he will return next week at this time. When we will have lots to say, no doubt, about uh, it'll be ever so closer to the inauguration of... Yeah, yeah, right. That guy. <clears throat> well, uh began with a little bit of music there, too. Uh, just... To break things up a little bit, uh, that's from Biosphere. Some nice uh, electronic music from 2016. And uh, I'm not going to dwell on 2016. That's the past. We certainly suffered a lot of uh, great losses in the arts community in 2016. And uh, tempting to say that it was the strangest year ever, but I somehow doubt that, even though certainly it was one of the stranger ones in my lifetime. I think all years have the potential to be pretty strange. Um, let's face it, it's a uh, it's a strange universe in which we reside, and uh, paying attention is, of course, the crucial ingredient to self-preservation and uh, staying lighthearted. Uh, about things is the uh, key to sanity, 
perhaps, and laughter. And so on that note, I'm sure uh, it's been some days now, but uh, America as a nation that uh, consumes probably more entertainment than it does news uh, deserves some condolences nonetheless for the uh, double passing uh, right at the end of the year there of both Carrie Fisher and her mother, Debbie Reynolds. Uh, Carrie Fisher, of course, the iconic uh, post-feminist princess, princess uh, who fought back, who killed Jabba the Hutt and uh, all that good stuff. And, of course, very public in her, um, very open in her uh, personal uh, problems, you know, the bipolar thing that she was outspoken about. And uh, like many Americans suffer from. Uh, and, of course, Debbie Reynolds, uh, whose career is maybe to people of my generation not quite as interesting, but still a remarkable personality nonetheless. And uh, for singing in the rain alone deserves a special place in everyone's heart. But don't forget Debbie Reynolds' great cameo in the Terry Gilliam film Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You don't even get to see her, but you do hear her voice <clears throat> as uh, Hunter S., played by Johnny Depp, and uh, Benicio Del Toro's Dr. Gonzo are about to uh, sort of elbow their way into the show uh, in Vegas where Debbie Reynolds is performing, uh, and they're ejected in uh, hysterics as uh, you hear her shout out, Let's get ready to rock and roll! Which, of course, she wasn't really a rock and roll person, but uh, <clears throat> had a great sense of humor anyway. And uh, kind of a last double dip of sadness there, uh, culturally speaking, for uh, the end of 2016. But uh, 2017 is what uh, demands our attention now. And I'll just begin with a couple of quick pieces from The Nation magazine about our potential upcoming um, Attorney General uh, Senator Jeff Sessions of Alabama has been named by uh, Mr. Strumpf to that position, the top law enforcement agent in the country. Of course, we've had some pretty sketchy attorney generals before in our nation's history. John Mitchell, Ed Meese come to mind as perhaps two of the worst. Um, but uh, these three statistics are uh, fairly uh, sobering with regards to the track record of Mr. Jeff Sessions. Uh, nine is the number of senators, including Jeff Sessions, who voted against John McCain's 2005 measure banning torture by the U.S. military one year after the Abu Ghraib prison photos were released. Uh, it's easy to forget how horrifying and grotesque those photos were because no one wants to think about that sort of thing except for the deeply twisted. And so most of us have sort of pushed those images out of our mind. Uh, John McCain, by the way, who we have ribbed and even ridiculed uh, from time to time here on Gray Matters for his sometimes ridiculous uh, outlooks on uh, projecting American power abroad. 
may yet emerge as uh, sort of a great American hero of uh, sanity uh, by being a, a Republican with integrity and standing up to some of the more ridiculous aspects and elements of the uh, upcoming uh, Trump administration. Certainly being against torture, you'd think would be uh, an easy thing for a nation that prides itself on being a Christian nation, a rule of law nation, because uh, torture is uh, reprehensible and it is cowardly and weak and it is certainly anti-Christian and yet uh, Sessions finds it to be acceptable. Not a cheery prospect in the top law enforcement officer in the country. Again, he's not confirmed yet, but uh, we shall see. Uh, three is the number of black civil rights activists, including a former aide to Martin Luther King, who were unsuccessfully prosecuted on spurious charges of voter fraud by Jeff Sessions. Uh, back when he served as U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Alabama, 1986 was the year in which Sessions was denied confirmation for a federal judgeship under Ronald Reagan because he was deemed too racist by the U.S. Senate. And he's one of those Southern gentlemen who, uh, sadly, apparently, according to accounts, uh, still, probably he hasn't done this lately, uh, but refers to uh, adult African-American men as boy which you'd think that might have fallen by the wayside by now, but um, apparently not in all quarters. Well, other things that you might think would fall by the wayside would be the Make America Great Again made in the USA, but uh, for the Trumps, made in the USA may be a tricky label to stitch. This is by Laura Holson and Rachel Abrams. In the December 28th New York Times. And they just went on a little shopping expedition and find Ivanka Trump polyester and spandex blouses made in Indonesia. Uh, her jackets are made in Vietnam. The boots are made in China. Uh, Trump National Golf Clubs and the various golf apparel. It's a blue cotton cap embroidered with the Trump National Golf Club logo. Made in Bangladesh. Uh, Trump Tower hoodie from Pakistan will set tourists back $50, they uh, they write here. Mr. Trump has, of course, cast companies that make goods in China and other foreign countries as economic pariahs, siphoning off jobs better left at home. I wonder how many people have looked inside their Make America Great Again hats to discover that China perhaps might be the country that stands to become great again, or perhaps for the first time. Who knows? Anyway, uh, more hypocrisy is uh, headed our way, I predict, in my crystal ball of the future. And, of course, the future has two elements, as philosopher Jacques Derrida pointed out. It's a fairly simplistic observation, but one worth contemplating from time to time nonetheless. There is the future, as in I've got a dentist appointment next Thursday, uh, that is sort of predicted and knowable in that sense. 
But then there's also the future of the completely unknown and unknowable. <clears throat> How might things actually play out? Nobody knows. We can say that the inauguration is scheduled for January 20th. Uh, certainly, uh, as is reported in the Times on that same uh, December 28th edition, uh, inauguration planners brace for a wave of protesters and security challenges. This is, of course, uh, likely to be a somewhat strife-filled atmosphere. And I have heard personally from firsthand account witnesses who were in Washington, D.C., uh, in 1969, when Richard M. Nixon took the oath of office for the first time. Oh, and by the way, I don't know how many listeners noticed that uh, something we've mentioned on Gray Matters a number of times uh, made the New York Times again yesterday that Nixon may have committed treason, may have, probably committed treason in the 68 campaign. Uh, by sending a special envoy, Anna Chenault, to uh, discuss uh, canceling the peace negotiations that uh, President Johnson had been ongoing with in the interests of, you'll get a better deal under Nixon. Uh, thus, you know, sabotaging the Humphrey campaign. Now, I'm no great fan of Hubert Humphrey, but uh, for a private citizen running for office to make a direct appeal to the elements of a foreign government to not negotiate in good faith with the United States government, that's uh, treason. And uh, now they're digging around in the records and Haldeman's notes from that era uh, seem to uh, draw a pretty direct connection between Nixon's campaign people and uh, Anna Chenault. So who knows what the future may hold for any investigations into uh, the Russian hacking challenges. But, of course, many of uh, listeners at WCBN are aware that there are a number of protests. Um, and, of course, so there will be rallies in support of Trump as well. Um, but the uh, Women's March on Washington, scheduled for January 21st, the day after the inauguration, has been granted a permit for about 200,000 people to rally and then march in protest. There could be a lot of marching in Washington, I suspect. Uh, of course, Obama faced uh, racist threats, assassination threats right from the beginning. Uh, but despite the large crowds that gathered uh, at his inauguration, there were, according to records, uh, a crowd of nearly 2 million people, few if any protesters, and not a single arrest. So let's see how that plays out in a couple of weeks. Certainly I am not hoping for unrest, uh, but American citizens have the rights of uh, free speech and a peaceable assembly, <clears throat> and these are cherished rights. Well, on the uh, probably not invited to the inauguration list will be a couple of Republican governors. Michigan's Rick Snyder, of course, is on nobody's I want to be photographed with list. And uh, ditto Chris Christie, uh, who made the news again for being uh, abandoned in his home turf 
Uh, obviously, uh, his popularity in New Jersey, uh, which was quite high after uh, the manner in which he dealt with Hurricane Sandy, uh, took unbelievable flack from the right wing uh, for hugging President Barack Obama. Uh, simply a human gesture of uh, compassion and fellowship. I think a hug. It wasn't like they were going to be getting married or anything. Um it was remarkable uh, how uh, vitriolic the response to that hug was. Uh, but uh, Christie's luck and uh, bad judgment just uh, went worse and worse after that. Uh, of course, there was the Bridgegate, and uh, New Jersey has uh, experienced a number of credit downgrades. And uh, currently, now that he's on the outs with the uh, Trump transition team, uh uh, Christie has spent, and I'm reading here from an article by uh, Kate Zernicki and Patrick McGeehan. Uh, Christie has spent several mornings guest hosting a New York sports radio show, prompting speculation that he is auditioning for a more permanent role should the Trump administration not come knocking. I think it's pretty clear they're not coming a knocking. <clears throat> is the governor's approval rating as low as it can go? Uh, Zernicki and McGeehan, right? Not quite, says Patrick Murray, the director of the Monmouth University Polling Institute, citing President Francois Holland of France. His approval rating is at 4%, Mr. Murray said. So that gives Christie something to shoot for. Well, let's see here. Um... Probably not going to have time to go into all of this, but a rather disturbing article. Well, the article itself is not disturbing. The uh, content is a rather striking. Uh, it's about the church militant. And, of course, this is uh, an obscure phrase of uh, Catholic ideology from the Middle Ages that was meant as much religious language is in a metaphoric sense, but uh, good old, I'm a right winger, not a racist, Steve Bannon, <clears throat> has uh, reinvigorated this phrase. And I'm going to quickly try and uh, read through this article by Samuel Friedman in a column on religion in uh oh let's see make sure i get the right date here on this source december 31st church militant theology is put to a new and politicized use a week after stephen k bannon helped engineer the populist revolt that led to donald j trump's election buzzfeed unearthed a recording of mr bannon speaking to a vatican conference of conservative catholics in 2014 in his presentation, Mr. Bannon, then the head of the hard-right website Breitbart News, and now Mr. Trump's chief strategist, called on, quote, the church militant to fight a global war against a new barbarity of Islamic fascism, quote, unquote, and international financial elites with 2,500 years of Western civilization at risk. While most listeners probably overlooked the term church militant, knowledgeable Catholics would have recognized it as a concept deeply embedded in the church's teaching. 
Moreover, they would have noticed that Mr. Bannon had taken the term out of context, invoking it in a call for cultural and military conflict rather than for spiritual warfare, particularly within one's soul, its long-standing connotation. As the Trump administration prepares to take office, the use of church militant theology has gone well beyond its religious meaning and has taken on a political resonance. To fully grasp what church militant means in this highly politicized atmosphere, it helps to examine the broader movement and the role of a traditionalist Catholic website called, to no surprise, churchmilitant.com. And I'm just going to parenthetically inject here that traditionalist Catholic website uh, the, the term traditionalist there should really mean extreme, uh, be seen as meaning extreme fundamentalist. Uh, I myself was raised Catholic. There's a, a, a great number of people who are working for uh, the poor, uh, uh, the movement called Liberation Theology, which invokes the teachings of Christ uh, in support of those who are oppressed by uh, fascist and authoritarian regimes. Uh, so uh, let's not lump all Catholics into one bucket here. Traditionalist in this context means fundamentalist. The site's right-wing stances against globalism, immigration, social welfare programs, and abortion, as well as its depiction of an existential war against radical Islam, mesh with many of the positions espoused by Mr. Trump and his inner circle. Mr. Bannon did not respond to questions submitted to the Trump transition office. I suspect he's going to be a hard guy to get a hold of personally uh, for the next few years. Michael Voris, the senior executive producer of churchmilitant.com, said that the website's positions were a righteous defense of patriotism and morality on behalf of people who believe those virtues have been attacked by liberals, secularists, and global elites. Quote, this is breaking down into forces that believe in God and those that don't, he said, adding, Largely, I would say this is a war of religion versus non-religion. Close quote. Well, Michael Voris, you might want to reacquaint yourself with the Constitution because the uh, language regarding religion and the practice thereof in the Constitution, a binding legal document uh, of some note, uh, guarantees that we have freedom of religion, that is, you are free to go to the church of your choice. Uh, there is no official state religion. We also are guaranteed freedom from religion, that you don't need to go to church or adhere to any one faith or any faith at all. So uh, Voris's claim here that this is a war of religion versus non-religion is explicitly un-American because it's one of the great liberties that we have here as Americans is freedom of and freedom from religion. This dude's narrow interpretation of religion, capital R, is fundamentalist Catholic. And I suspect that most Catholics would have an argument with this interpretation. This is language to beware of, to be attentive to, uh, as we go forward. Uh, of course, uh, Samuel Friedman's article goes on in great detail, and we hear some uh, responses uh, from uh, church scholars, uh, religious historians, and so forth. 
who emphasized that the term church militant, which goes back to the 1500s, was really devised as a way of referencing the church in three stages, church triumphant, which is those in heaven, uh, church, uh, where's the phrase? I don't have the, for, for those in, in purgatory, oh, that's the church in suffering. And then church militant was those still alive, still able to fight evil within themselves and therefore to help those in purgatory and to make it to heaven themselves. Church militant is not a war against another religion. It is simply metaphoric language being abused here by a racist politician uh, for twisted and certainly unchristian uh, agendas. Uh, I anxiously await the day when true Christianity may emerge from American fundamentalism and we would see a radical transformation uh, from a group of haters to a group of people who genuinely cared for their fellow humans and who wanted to show in a loving way how to make the world a better place. And that's what I've got to say about the, the, the matter. Uh, I'd like to thank you for listening tonight. I'd like to wish everybody a happy and hopeful new year. And given the uh, strange history that we emerge from as a nation, I think it's one of the great artistic treasures of the world that uh, this nation uh, is the birthplace of the blues, music born in suffering but with an eye on hope and redemption of all kinds, intellectual, spiritual, physical, and uh, certainly emotional. So I'd like to urge you to stay tuned to Yazoo City Calling, uh, which is coming up next, uh, hosted by the one and only Jerry Mack, a scholar of the blues and uh, a great DJ. So uh, kick back and enjoy some blues, followed by Freeform here on WCBN-FM. Ann Arbor.